Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast, part of the Rockies affiliate of SB Nation. I am your host, Skylar Timmons, and once again, I am joined by my wonderful cohorts here, Mac Wilcox. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? And our good buddy, Evan Lang. How's it going, y'all? Going pretty good. No, it's been a busy week in the world of the Rockies, so we actually have you know, more stuff we can talk about than usual. Stuff kept happening, like, the day after we recorded for the last two podcasts in a row. It really did. Yeah, but luckily, we have a lot of news to talk about today. We've got news about extensions. We've got some trades. And in the back half of the show, we will say goodbye to our dear shortstop, Trevor Story, who is now among the Boston Red Sox. Uh, Sad times, but we'll celebrate him, say goodbye a little bit later in the show, but by way of icebreaker, Evan mentioned this one. You guys saw the MPB manager intros that you wanted to yeah. talk about. <laughs> so they were oh, they were so good. They're so, so good. for for context. Um, early, early this morning slash last night slash whatever was opening day for uh, the NPB, the Nippon Professional Baseball League, and. The uh, one of the games was the uh, Fukuoka Softbang Hawks versus the Hokkaido Nippon Ham Fighters, with the Hawks being the home team, and they went hard on manager introductions. Uh, Fujimoto Hiroshi, the manager for the Softbanks Hawks, came out on like an ornate plinth, being covered by people in like feudal Japanese dress, and like players watching him come in, and he's sitting there on the top of this thing like some sort of you know shogun as they carry him in his arms crossed looking all serious as they bring him out onto the field and then the new manager of the Hokkaido Nippon Ham Fighters uh Shinzo Tsuyoshi goes by Big Boss and the fighters were the away team for this game and he got like a neon light show where he came out of a glowing box wearing sunglasses with a smoke machine in it and a light up jersey that said Big Boss on the front. Like Dude, it's so sick. This is incredible for for watching <laughs> and like the amount of fun that it was to watch these and then you carry on with thinking of all the ways that um in Major League Baseball, they need to do better at marketing the sport and the players and the personalities. I want to see Buddy Black do a Shinsuke Nakamura. Bro, the Shinsuke Nakamura would be, like, top tier 
from somebody, man, with a live uh, violin or whatever. Oh, yeah. man. And you grab that top rope and just throw yourself down. Brother, I'm telling you what. I had just wrote an article recently about Rockies going to NPB because I love NPB. I think the Japanese baseball is so much fun to watch. Let's go Buffaloes, by the way. Shouts to the Oryx yeah. Buffaloes. Mac, our uh, resident Oryx Buffaloes fan. Dude. I am on board with the uh, Hokkaido Nippon Ham Fighters. Which is a good pick, too. But, like, yeah, man. Nippon professional baseball is such a party. Uh, like, this is just an example of that, man. Like, Big Boss? Like, are you kidding me? Like, how cool is that? Uh, it's like he hate me from the old XFL days. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah man. Jerseys. It's so good. Like, I love it. I, I'm, I'm so glad NPB is back. It, you know, as we watch spring training kind of wrap up the last couple weeks before we get into the regular season for MLB, this is a cool little thing to kind of bridge the gap. And shoot, I'll probably even watch NPB during the regular season of MLB too, just because I think it's so much fun. Yeah, I definitely wish it was easier to watch the games, just because yes. you know, Colorado time they're on starting at like one in the morning, yep. and you know, I have a, a job and things to do during the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, check out uh, Freddie Galvis hitting a grand slam on opening day, man. NPB's crazy. <laughs> Skyler, you ever watch any NPB or KBO? No, not really. Now's as good a time as ever to get in. It's mostly like the accessibility thing of totally. I'm sleeping at night and <laughs> <laughs> hard to like, access, but... Of Rocky's managers, just in their history, who do you think would have the best intro in that style? So we've got Don Baylor, Jim Leland, Buddy Bell, mm. Clint Hurdle, Jim Tracy, Walt Weiss, and Bud Black. Somebody else if I'm forgetting them. Yeah. I think Don Baylor. I think Buddy would be the most likely to go along with it. <laughs> uh, That's a pretty good answer. Big Don, Big Don Baylor was was a pretty serious fella. So I'm not sure if he'd go over like, well, what's this what's this goofy nonsense you're wanting me to do? But at the same time, I bet you could do a really rad intro for the imposing figure of Don Baylor coming into the into the stadium. I, I just envision Jim Leland know he's got a cigarette in his mouth that he just lit up and he's just walking out just looking grumpy as ever. <laughs> just done with it. <laughs> and Jim Leland would be the prime candidate to do the gorilla walk out to the field. <laughs> oh yeah actually you know what that is a pretty good answer actually i was gonna say don baylor too and i know he's like serious but like i i get that he's like a kind of a serious cat but dude don baylor could come down like a gundam you know what i'm saying like just like this giant you know what i'm saying like like don baylor walks out of this giant like mech that's just like it's, as serious as he is it's just a or, giant uh, mech uh, that's dinger who would, who yeah. would best do which rocky's manager would best do the undertaker rising up intro that would be the flash of smoke and darkness and all of a sudden he's just there that would have to be jim leland because jim leland's like the old school you know what i'm saying and like in respectful way jim leland is as old as the crypt keeper so like i would say that jim leland is probably the guy to do something (laughs) like that with love i say this with love like i like jim leland like he's cool but like you know brother's been around for a minute see i think don baylor could actually pull that one off because he's so serious yeah just the lights, the lights go out. You see the puff of the 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 slight pyrotechnics, and all of a sudden, Don Baylor is just there. <laughs> Bro, so many options. Just a Royal Rumble in the cage. All the Rockies managers yes, sir. in their history, and Jim Tracy comes out on top with the strongest jaw known to man. <laughs> totally. What if you did the All Star Game like the Royal Rumble, and you start with just the pitcher and the batter? And then every couple minutes, you count in the next player to come on, and it's a surprise of who's going to be taking the field. I've always <laughs> said it, man. Everything in life comes back to wrestling. Always and forever. <laughs> everything in life comes back to wrestling. I legitimately want this now. That would be so yeah. cool. Make it happen. Purple Rose Sim, Skyler, in WWE 2K22. Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it starts off, if you do this, like the Rumble-style All-Star game, it starts off like the Home Run Derby, where it is just the pitcher throwing to the batter and the batter's trying to crush home runs and then as you count it down it starts becoming an actual ball game with players coming out onto the field it'd be lit mlb hit me up and give me money for this idea (laughs) (laughs) well speaking of wrestling uh our homie big dollar bill schmidt as i'm calling him recently (laughs) continues to have a he keeps rolling out the cash and some dollar bills as 
he made another big move here, another extension. He has signed Ryan McMahon to a six-year, $70 million extension with the Rockies. It has an opt-out after the fourth year if he finishes top five MVP in any of the first three years. And then there's another opt-out after year five if he finishes top five MVP in that year. So Ryan McMahon, he's going to be sticking around for a little while. Uh, Kind of a move out of nowhere, but seems to be a welcome one. What's your guys' take here on Ryan McMahon sticking around with the Rockies on this extension? Start with Evan here. Yeah, what do you think I think this is a great extension for how, you know, his, his bat definitely still needs work, but he has that, that power. But his bat has just, you know, slowly improved from season to season in addition to his, his excellent and versatile defense at an average annual value of something like $11.67 million a year. If his bat continues to improve like it has been, this is a steal. And I even... Uh, the the Nolan Arenado deal, for example, had a ton of criticism for the opt out after the second year because it seemed like the you know Jeff Breidich administration was actually sort of afraid of him actually sticking around and getting all that money. This opt out for McMahon after the fourth year actually makes a lot of sense because it's a really reasonable rate, and that's something that Bill Schmidt has done a really good job on so far in terms of these extensions. C.J. Crone and Antonio Santatela and Elias Diaz, all really reasonable extensions. And then here's another one for Ryan McMahon, where if he finishes top five MVP first three years, after the fourth year, they can renegotiate a better deal, which is, I think, really fair on both sides. Because if he doesn't finish, you know, top five MVP in the next three years, then the Rockies still have him locked down. And if he does, then he's played well enough that he's outplayed this contract that he's due. And it's more than reasonable for him to, you know, having to want a a better deal with a little bit more money in it. And the deal is also uh, pretty backloaded as well. So the Rockies are getting him for very cheap for those first four years. Uh, 2022, $5 million, 23, $9 million, and then 24 and 25, both $12 million. And then the final two years, um, if he doesn't have that opt-out, are both 16. So this is a, a really, really solid contract extension. I'm really happy about this. I'm thrilled to have Ryan McMahon be sticking around with the team. He really has been been blossoming into a very good baseball player. Um, this takes him through, I think, his age 32 season. Um, and I'm all about it. I think this is a great extension by Bill Schmidt. This is um, one of those ones where, like, I think we're going to have an episode here where, like, me and Evan are going to disagree on some things. Um, if I may cut in. Uh, I don't necessarily love this extension, and I'll tell you why. I think Ryan McMahon is blossoming into a very, very solid uh, big league, you know, player. I think the Rockies right now sort of have a glut of infield prospects, and it kind of questions, like... Where does he really fit in? Because, like, we have Colton Welker, who looks like is more than likely to start the season on the big league bench. He is kind of, like, penciled in as, like, your third baseman of the future, right? So then, like, okay, so let's say Ryan Pemain shifts over to first base. Well, CJ Crone's there currently, and I know he's not, like, the long-term option. Michael Toglia is, though. And Michael Toglia's got to be sniffing the big league roster here in a season or two. Maybe he's a second baseman. Well... You know, is that necessarily where he's best utilized? Like, I know, you know, he has done a good enough job at second base, but I'm not sure if you really figure him to be the second baseman of the future as much as Brendan Rodgers is supposed to be. And then, obviously, like, he probably has the athletic ability to play shortstop, and then what about Ezekiel Tovar? Like, to me, a six-year deal of a guy that's predominantly an infielder when the Rockies have so much, like, infield, high ceiling prospect talent like right on the cusp is a little strange i don't mind him sticking around at the team i do think he's a solid competitor and i do think he's a good piece for them to have especially like a season like this year where they really need his his pop and his bat but i just like i think of the deal like four years from now and i know that there's an opt out after that fourth year but i just think of the deal four years from now and i kind of think like man like where is he likely to slot in in the like third and fourth year of that deal. That's the only sort of apprehension I have. I think the money side of it's like Evan said is totally reasonable and I think that that's a pretty good deal from a purely you know um monetary standpoint, but I just think about what it looks like 
three, four years from now, and I get a little bit more apprehensive about it. That's my only sort of hang-up on it. So I actually have a, um, a sort of rebuttal to that, Mac, is that Do it. something that the Rockies are clearly valuing, and Ryan McMahon is a huge piece of that, is positional versatility in that infield, where really the only guy who's got a solid single position is Michael Tolia, who is just a first baseman. But all of these other prospects can do first, can do third, can do second, can do DH, and Ryan McMahon can play all three bases plus DH. And so I think what they're gunning for, and, you know, I, I'm not Bill Schmidt, I'm not the, I'm not on the team's payroll, I can only sort of estimate what their plan is. But in my opinion, it really seems like something that they're gunning for is being able to slot in anybody anywhere. Mm-hmm. Because you can have Brendan Rodgers, if he's here long-term, play second base and shortstop. McMahon can play first, second, third, DH. Alaris Montero, the next one of the next big prospects, can play mm-hmm. first, third, and DH. Uh, Aaron Schunk um, is, is very much similar to Ryan McMahon in that he can play all three of those positions plus DH. And with CJ Crone, he's extended to the next two years. And then if he sticks around, it would probably be mostly in a designated hitter role that also, you know, frees up other positions. I think the question is also if the Rockies are going to stop clinging to prospects as much as they have. The Rockies have a habit of, and I'm not saying it's good or bad, it's just a habit where they hold on to prospects and they also overvalue prospects to the point where the prospects aren't necessarily getting the playing time they need, but they're also not willing to part with them. Mm-hmm. And so that leads to these sort of of log jams. So I'm curious to see where they go on from there. But in the immediate future, what I'm thinking of is that, you know, development of, of positional versatility. Because even guys who aren't the top prospects, like Alan Trejo can play second, short, and third. Mm-hmm. And we saw him play, you know, third base yesterday during the spring training game. What do you make of this, Skyler? What's your take on it? So overall, you know, it's good to keep Mac, Ryan McMahon around. Uh, it's also good to keep Mac around. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think overall, it, it's a little bit of both things. I like keeping McMahon around. Uh, I still don't. Th- we haven't seen his bat f- potential fully be unlocked yet or realized. Uh, we've seen his defense now. We know he can play a spectacular third base. Um, so I, I think it's good keeping him there. But it's he's got to perform with that bat and really live up to that potential that he has. And so I think that's the thing that they're betting on. You know, is here's a guy who wants to be with the team. He's He's been around. You know, they're trying to build up that core. And so Ryan McMahon trying to become that new you know, next face of the Rockies and stepping into the shoes left open by Arenado and Story. McMahon can now fill in those shoes and stick around and try to help this team but that bat's really got to reach its potential because we need bombs galore and a better average from Ryan McMahon. And we saw hints of that last year. But I, definitely what you were saying, Mac, this does still create some of that logjam. The Rockies are struggling with a lot of areas. And so hopefully it's like what Evan said, they can start maybe look at some of these pieces. Colton Welker, there's just no space for you here. Uh, we're going to swap you somewhere else where you can get some time, and it mm-hmm. brings in you know a nice major league piece for us, another arm in the bullpen, another pitcher somewhere else. Uh, so there's a lot of questions. They're going to have to start adjusting that roster now, looking down that depth, because they have a lot of guys that are knocking on the door or seem ready for the big leagues, but now they're kind of at another wall at a certain position. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in these coming years, but – Right now, I'm optimistic about McMahon sticking around. I think it's a good deal. For sure. The only thing I'll say, and I know we have most to get to, so I won't take too long on this. Last thing little thing I'll say on this is that I think if Ryan McMahon can play at the level he did at the start of last season, because he had two mm-hmm. completely different seasons last year. You know what I mean? Like those first few months, April, May, June, even parts of July, he was popping off. He looked like a sure all-star candidate, just missed out on starting at second base. He looked fantastic, but he really, really struggled the second half of the season. Obviously, that's just one season out of many. This is a longer deal. We'll see what goes with that. 2022 is going to be a really important year for Ryan McMahon. If he is able to take those steps forward that we believe he can, really lengthen that lineup, especially such heavy hitters like 
you know, Blackman and, and Chris Bryant and Randall Gritchick in front of him, that is going to go a huge, huge, huge way in making me feel a lot more confident about, you know, the potential uh, next future years on this pro- on this uh, deal. Um, so I'd love to see Ryan McMahon really take that next step forward and become that consistent, tough, you know, five or six hitter, even four hitter in their lineup uh, for sure. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think his his second half really wasn't that bad. What we mainly saw for him was a de- uh, decrease in slugging. Because um, you compare his first half slugging percentage to his second half, it goes down from 474 to 416. But his batting average stayed about the same, and his on-base percentage actually went up from 316 to 349. And so I really think it is for him putting it all together. Because in 2021... He was the second most valuable guy on the team by uh, Arwar behind Trevor Story. So I think I'm I'm a lot more optimistic about Ryan McMahon. I and I really think that if he continues to develop like he has, this is this contract's going to be a for sure. I can dig that. And I think something that's going to help is the Rockies are trying to build a more power-oriented lineup, get some more pop in there where you can provide protection throughout that lineup. And I think if everybody's kind of working a little bit better in that lineup, Ryan McMahon and Charlie Blackman might see some of their results improve because they're getting better pitches because they got better protection in that lineup. And in another effort, like this segue, in an effort for the Rockies to improve some of that power in the lineup, Bill Schmidt made a very rare trade for the Rockies. It doesn't feel like they've ever done anything that kind of like tries to improve the team in some way. But he traded, they've traded Rymel Tapia and minor leaguer Adrian Pinto to the Toronto Blue Jays for Randall Gritchick and cash considerations. And we know that those cash considerations, as reported by the AP, uh, the, the Associated Press is going to be roughly around half of Gritchick's salary that's due to him in these next two seasons. So he's owed about $9.3 million, uh, minus his signing bonus of a million dollars. So they're going to be covering roughly half of that uh, salary each year, which isn't too shabby. Mm-hmm. But so Tapia headed to the Blue Jays. We're getting Gritchick. Uh, known slugger plays the outfield. What was your initial reactions to this trade when the news broke? Let's start with Mac. Now, this is another one I think Evan and I are going to kind of disagree with just based on some of our prior conversations. I really like this trade. Uh, I think that Randall Gritchick is a gamer. He's a really tough player. He plays a really solid center field out there in Toronto. I don't know if center field is necessarily the spot for him in uh, cores, but I do think that Randall Gritchick is a solid bat, a solid right-handed bat, specifically, which the Rockies have kind of been hurting for the last couple seasons. Um you know, I, I know that people really love Ryan Altapia, and I do too. You know, I've always appreciated his style of play and the excitement he brings to the Rockies lineup and to their outfield situation. But, you know, he, I think, has really sputtered, I'll say. Uh, Skyler threw some stats up for us here on the, on the run sheet. Uh, you know, he is a ground ball machine. He has a career... Uh, slash line of 280, 325, 395. That's not terrible, right? That's not awful, but it's just not going to be what the Rockies really need at this point in their development. And in this new, I talk about it a lot, in this new identity of what the Rockies are, he's not a great outfielder defensively, is Tapia. And so I think now is the right time for a move like this. Randall Gritchick immediately slots in as maybe a five hitter or maybe a two hitter, depending on your interpretation of his bat. I think he is a really solid pickup for the Rockies. This is one of my favorite moves. I mean, if I say that Chris Bryant's my favorite move they made this offseason, I would say that this is immediately my second favorite move they made uh, this so so far in this offseason. And, you know, like you said earlier, man, big money Bill Schmidt. Say what you will about him, about him, man. It might be a misguided effort, but he clearly thinks the Rockies can contend this year. Whether or not you think that this move is going to immediately make them you know, a playoff caliber team or, or whether or not you even think that making any of these kinds of moves makes them a playoff caliber team, I really appreciate that Bill Schmidt certainly believes the Rockies can contend this year. And I think this move is a really, really good one for the Rockies, especially with the Blue Jays eating so much of the money. So a uh, solid one for me. I'm really happy with it. I think Evan might have a different opinion, though. 
Respectfully, of course. So my opinion on this trade has actually changed a little bit over uh, the last uh, period of time after it happened. When it first happened, I was actually not particularly happy with the return. I I don't view Gritchick as that good a defensive center fielder in 2021 who's worth negative two DRS, mm-hmm. especially because he doesn't really have the same speed um, element that is is kind of a necessity for patrolling the massive center field at Coors Field. Personally, I think he slots in more as a right fielder or corner outfielder, but I mean he can play center field. He has played a decent amount of center field in his time. It's also that he's you know about almost three years older than, than Tapia. He'll be turning 31 in a couple months here versus Tapia just turned 28. Uh, and so when this trade first happened, I wasn't super thrilled about it, especially because we gave up prospect Adrian Pinto, who I think has a lot of upside and he's incredibly, incredibly young. And, you know, Raimel Tapia is a, a fan favorite. I really, really love the guy. Though I did recognize that and, and I said as much last week on our podcast when, when Justin and Kenneth were here, is that as much as I love Rymel Tapia, I recognize that the signing of Chris Bryant really sort of made him uh, more expendable, yeah. especially with that glut of outfielders we have, where we have so many outfielders, and we still have seven outfielders on the active roster with this trade, uh, with the um, optioning of Ryan Valade to AAA Albuquerque where he should be starting the season. But as I've sat on it and I've thought about it, it's a pretty solid trade, um, especially with the, with the money element, where uh, Toppy is making about $4 million and, and Gritchick's making about 10 a year. But with how much money the Jays are kicking in for that, that makes it a lot more uh, easy to stomach. In addition, it really is the the difference in hitting styles. Is Gritchick is a is a power hitter through and through. He's hit um, over twenty home runs in every full season he's played since two thousand sixteen. Um, the the one outlier being that he only hit twelve in twenty twenty, which was that shortened season. And twelve in that season, still pretty good. Um, he's not a huge for average or on base guy. Um, but his slugging percentage is is consistently mid to high 400s or higher. He he is that power threat, and a big difference in their game is the batted ball results. Um, as you you talked about, and and I have discussed at length. I even wrote an article about this last year. Is that Rymel Tapia's development into a a ground ball hitter over the last couple yes. of years, where he had a pretty reasonable ground ball rate for his first few seasons, but then when he became the starter in 2019, his ground ball rate went over and stayed over 50% for the next three seasons. 51.7 in 19, 55.7 in 20, and then a really, like, highest in the league, 67.4% in 2021. And I always said that he could be a great player if he didn't drive every single ball into the dirt. But that's just, you know, what he's done. And you look at Randall Gritchick's batted ball results, and he has only gone above 40% twice in his entire career. Um, And that was in 2016 when he was with the St. Louis Cardinals, 40.8. And 2020 with the Blue Jays at 42.6. And that is a big step down in ground ball percentage compared to a guy like Tapia, where... Gritchick immediately can slot in as a power threat in this lineup in really any of the outfield positions because he can play all three and he can DH. And overall, I think it's it's going to end up working out pretty well for us. I'm going to miss Rymel Tapia. I love him dearly. You know, one of my, a fan favorite here in Colorado, and I wish him nothing but the best in Toronto. I think the Jays are really getting something special in him. But at the same time, you know, as as like I said last week, it was, you know, time for the Rockies to, to maybe move on from him. And he had probably the most trade value of any of those other outfielders that we've got on the roster. And I think we got a fairly solid return for him. Real quick, Evan, I'm going to hijack this from you, Skylar. Two seconds. Real quick, impromptu, three true outcomes. Home run, walk, strikeout. Evan, just give me the three true outcomes. Was this a home run, a walk, or a strikeout? 
I'll call it a walk. Skyler, three try outcomes and tell me why. I'm going to call this a home run. Dig it. Uh, mostly because Gritchick hits home runs. Hey. And <laughs> no, I, I think the biggest thing is that's something that we've talked about before and that we know the Rockies aren't – for a team that plays at Coors Field, a you know, franchise that historically has hit bombs, has been a powerful you know, lineup, they've lost that over these past couple of years. And after losing Trevor's story – now, when we've lost Nolan Arnato in past years, home runs totals were down. And so I like adding Gritchick because it adds, you know, a guy that go up there and you can expect a home run, you know, a three true outcome type of guy. Mm-hmm. Whereas throughout that lineup, we're getting some more diversity in that lineup in a different way um, that can be beneficial in today's game of baseball where balls in the air are rewarded, balls hit to the ground are going to get punished. Yes. And we saw that with Rymel Tapia. Uh, you can love Rymel Tapia, the person, uh, his personality and everything, but you can't ignore that there were struggles in kind of weighing down the top of the lineup, especially when he was leading off. Because when he gets on base, hits line drives, gets on base, he's a great player. Yes. And it's really helpful to have him. But those ground balls and his career of hitting one into the ground 57% of the time or so, it begins to add up. Double plays begin to happen more. It kills rallies. Ground balls kill rallies. And so adding Gritchick, I think, is a, a an improvement in the different way of just how different he is to Tapia. No, and we have him for the next two seasons. He can slot in, and I just like this idea of a rotation in the outfield of Gritchick, Hilliard, and Blackman kind of rotating around those two outfield spots and the DH spot, because Sam Hilliard, we haven't talked about him, we probably won't cover too much, but he deserves a chance. Yes. Sam Hilliard is due a, cha- a shot Absolutely. to play center field every day. He's probably the better fielder, better runner, but Hilliard struggles with strikeouts and putting the bat on the ball. So he and Gritchick kind of fit into the same mold with Gritchick just having a little bit better experience, hitting the ball a little bit more consistent in his career of the numbers that he puts up every year it's pretty consistent across the board so rotating around those three guys out there I think is going to do a lot and just helping this lineup get some more pop to back up the pitchers and take a little bit less pressure take a little bit of pressure off of them so they can perform win some ball games but I'm, I'm excited to see what Gritchick does the only problem is he's right-handed and <laughs> Mac and I talked about this before this team's getting really right-handed yes. so can I just say, that, uh, as another very, and I know we, we got to take an ad break here, but just real quick, like I know this is a tough one, but like I really would prefer Charlie Blackman move into the DH spot, especially after this move, because you figure like a defensive outfield of Bryant in left, Hilliard in center, and Gritchick in right, I would say is a plus or at least pretty good defensive outfield. I love Charlie Blackman to death. No one on our you know Purple Row staff doesn't, but like. I would really like to see him kind of be a DH more than outfielder at this point. That's just a quick little aside. It's just it, the, the signing Gritchick to me like really makes that even more prevalent in my own head. Yeah. So it, welcome to Colorado, Randall Gritchick. Yes. Uh, once I learned how to pronounce your last name, it's not <laughs> Gritchuck. So my Gritchuck nasty joke falls flat. I, I liked but, it. <laughs> it. It's exciting, at least, that the Rockies are trying, making some moves, building up a team, truly trying to build up that offense, Mm -hmm. which I'm excited for, and it'll be nice to see how Gritchick plays into that, and hopefully he can put up 30 bombs this year. That'd be be really nice. And one last thing I want to say, um, Mac, in, in regards to your point, is that you're not wrong in the fact that, you know, as as Chuck is getting up there, his his fielding is becoming a less desirable part of his play uh, and Randall Gritchick in 2021 had a total of six DRS in right field right. versus um, you know Chuck had the had the negative two which is you know not awful it's about the same as what Gritchick had in center field in 2021 but I think we are getting to the point where we're going to have to look at say you know swapping around who goes where and stuff like that and then the my my one concern that I have about about Gritchick at the plate is that uh, he grounded into a lot of double plays last year, uh, seventeen, 
which for a guy with a a lower ground ball rate than you know Rymel Tapia is that he more than doubled the amount of you know double plays he grounded into. Mm-hmm. So that is the one concern is that when he does ground out, it tends to be into a double play, but he does hit the ball on the ground less overall. For sure. He gives us the old Ian Desmond special. Oh, don't say that. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here. Uh, still plenty to talk about here on Affected by Altitude, so don't go anywhere. And welcome back here to Affected by Altitude. Still lots to talk about. Here today is arbitration with the way the CBA worked out. Uh, times to like figure out the new contracts with pre-arb players and current arbitration players. Uh, got pushed back a little bit. But in the past week, the Rockies pretty much met deals with everybody except one. And that one is our good buddy Kyle Freeland whose shirt I am wearing right now as we record. So it turns out Rockies and Kyle Freeland weren't able to agree on a contract prior to the filing deadline. As they put their numbers in, they're roughly about a $1.8 million apart uh, with Freeland higher up on the scale, Rockies on the lower end of the scale. Uh, but I think one thing to remember, they mentioned they never know which what you're going to put in <laughs> Neither side knows what the other is going to claim uh, in the filing, but still, it's never good when you get past the filing deadline without a contract, and worst case scenario, you head into the arbitration hearing, which is never good. Uh, a lot of hurt feelings can get hurt and all that stuff. So what's what's the state of this? Will they figure out an extension with Kyle Freeland? Do they go to arbitration? What do you think happens here, Evan? I think the ultimate goal has got to be figuring out some sort of extension. Um, to, to put it simply, Kyle has said he wants to be here. The fans want Kyle here. It seems like a no-brainer. And they seem far apart, but you you think about – so the Rockies submitted at you know about 6.4, and Kyle Freeland submitted at around 7.8. And maybe the Rockies are on the low side, maybe Kyle's on the high side. But – I think they definitely can try and avoid arbitration here, either by by coming to an agreement somewhere in the middle or working out a, a longer-term extension. Because we managed to work out, um, avoid arbitration with Carlos Estevez, Garrett Hampson, Peter Lambert, Robert Stevenson, and uh, before he was traded, Raimel Tapia, for, for all fairly reasonable numbers. And if we can avoid arbitration with... Freeland and and maybe even get an extension worked out. Of course, the 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 hitch here is that according to Nick Groke, there apparently haven't been a whole lot of extension talks with Freeland yet, and I can sort of understand why because he did have that that really down year, um, and part of that is is not Kyle's fault because. Um, it was alleged that the, the Rockies had been messing with his pitching mechanics. And then he came back in, you know, 2020 to try and, you know, sort of reinvent himself. He changed his, um, his mechanics a lot. And he had a, he had a solid year in 2021, but at the same time, also not like an incredible year or, or anything like that. He had, he had a strong year through 120 innings um had some additional injury concerns and so i can i can understand why the rockies would be cautious and about wanting to dole him out so much money and i can also understand why kyle freeland wants to get paid what he's worth especially when everyone is telling him that they want him here you know he's the hometown kid in terms of franchise faces he's he's really popular with fans and he does have a lot of talent in that arm of his so really i think at the end of the day, what needs to be done is, and I, I really just talked around in circles there, is that the two parties need to try and get together and work out an extension that works out for everybody. What's your take on this, Mac? I think Evan pretty much nailed it. I don't have a whole lot to add to this. I will say, and Evan sort of alluded to this about Freeland's performance, you know, Kyle Freeland uh, is 
arguably one of the most popular Rockies players right now in general. He has really been trying to kind of find himself the last couple seasons, you know? I mean, he has been a very, very solid arm, of course, with his, you know, kind of general play, but he's really trying to find his 2018 form, right? When he was being given a Cy Young uh, award voting. He finished fourth place in the Cy Young voting that season, in fact. Like, he has not really reached those heights since then. Obviously had a demotion to AAA in 2019. Uh, He had a bounce-back season in 2020. As Evan mentioned, he had a solid enough year in 2021. All of this kind of leading to maybe why the Rockies are trying to, you know, shoot for a lower number than he is. I'm with Evan. I think that they should do everything within their power to avoid arbitration. I think that they will. Um, But if nothing else, like... I'm not saying I, I don't think that Kyle Freeland should get paid with asking because I feel like if the difference is like a million and a half dollars or something, like that's pretty reasonable. Um, but it is interesting, if nothing else, to consider that he really has not been quite the pitcher we had seen a couple years back. Um, hopefully he can get back there, but that's just kind of just a little small point. Other than that, I think Evan pretty much nailed everything. What do you got on it, Skyler? I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting because you you see – his performance hasn't been as great as you had hoped. He's still been solid, a solid piece of that rotation. He's you know, a big part of that renaissance of strong starting pitching here in Colorado. Um, so it, it would be nice to keep him around here, the hometown kid, no fear pitching at altitude. But you can think of on the Rockies' end, you know, how much money do they want to commit to this guy who's getting a little bit older? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of the older ones in that rotation now. And, you know, how much money do you want to commit to him when you have need to find spaces for guys like Ryan Rollison, Peter Lambert, you know, some of these guys that are coming up? So who knows? Uh, I personally, I do hope they you know, don't go to arbitration because then that's just almost feels like a surefire thing of Kyle Freeland's not going to stay in Colorado mm. uh, and whatnot. But you know, the Rockies generally in their history, haven't done many arbitration cases. Uh, last one was Tony Walters. Uh, a couple seasons ago, um, before that, it was back in 2015 with Willene Rosario, um, and only one player has won their arbitration case against the Rockies uh, in their history. So generally, they don't like to go to it, uh, so hopefully they can avoid that and keep that trend uh, going. What's really funny is that, like you allude to, he's he's the oldest guy in the rotation, and he's only 28. How weird is <laughs> he's, that? He's about to turn 29, so he's... He's about the same age, you know, as John Gray was last year. Mm. And, but I think what we really want to do is avoid another John Gray situation. But it really is interesting how they are similar in, like, never really reaching that full extent of their of their potential and, you know, both having some, some injury concerns. Because, you know, Mackie brought up him trying to find his, his 2018 form. I'd argue he's still trying to find his 2017 form. Mm. Um, where in 2017, his rookie year, he started 28 games, 156 innings, had an ERA of 410, finished seventh in rookie of the year voting, and then he had his his uh, fourth place Cy Young, um, 2018, where you know 202 innings, 33 starts, and then 2019 and 2021, he both he only started 22 and 23 games respectively like his innings took a huge dip and and part of that's the injuries and his struggles in 2019 and then you know he had that really down year 2019 where his era was 673 right and you know 599 his whip almost 1.6 he he really did have a hard time and and he's definitely bounced back from that but we're still not seeing him reach that full potential of what we know and what we've seen him be capable of Mm -hmm. but at the same time i think you really want to avoid having this turn into another john gray situation where i've i've alluded to my thoughts that i think bill schmidt didn't really have proper control or power to do much of anything until after the season had ended and he was officially named the the long um the official general manager and by then you know it's it's far too late to really get anything done and and maybe he botched the John Gray thing maybe it was it was already brewing but 
you want to avoid keeping that happening with Kyle, where he and the rest of the rotation, I would much rather have him be, you know, only only just about 30 at the end of next season, but be locked down for a couple years in addition with the younger guys like, you know, uh, Antonio Sensatella and Erman Marquez than lose him and have to worry about replacing him again like we're worrying about replacing John Gray. Yeah, so I think you hit it right on the hit. I think the biggest thing is avoiding another situation where the Rockies have inadvertently or purposefully you know, sullied the relationship, poisoned the well, make it where you know somebody doesn't want to stay around here even though he initially wanted to and not find greener pastures somewhere else. Uh, because that recently happened as we finally say goodbye to the Rockies' former shortstop, Trevor Story, who has left the team and signed a six-year, $140 million contract with the Boston Red Sox, has an opt-out after year four, but only if the Red Sox choose to pick up a seventh-year option upon which $25 million is added to the deal. He will play second base for the Red Sox this season because they already have a shortstop in Xander Bogarts, but it gives the Red Sox some insurance if Bogarts opts out after this season. Uh, But Trevor Story, Boston Red Sox, uh, how many times have you cried since this deal came out? <laughs> Evan, go ahead and take this one first, man. This one hurts. Yeah, it does. Um, I've, I've understood since the end of last year that he probably was not coming back. Um, as I've said repeatedly, I think the, the well was just too thoroughly poisoned by the previous administration, by Jeff Breidich, by Dick Monfort, that no matter what we did, he wasn't going to come back. And that was... That was made pretty clear with the fact that, you know, it the Rockies did reach out at least one last time. They they reached out several times over the offseason. They were willing to pay more than what the Boston Red Sox are paying story, and they would have kept him at his preferred position of shortstop. And, you know, he says no thanks. And I think that makes it pretty clear just like he was gone. He wasn't coming back. He had no intention of coming back, and he knew – especially after the 2021 deadline that he wasn't coming back. And and I touched on this a lot where, at the very least, the Rockies tried. Like, I can I can feel a whole lot better with the, the Bill Schmidt administration, who's really been left to clean up the mess of the, the Breidich administration here, that it really does seem like he did everything in his power to try and get Trevor Story to stay. And that's really about all you can do. And as much as it stinks, especially to, to really see just how little Trevor Story wanted to be here anymore, like, that hurts. That hurt. That has made me feel really lousy um, since this has all sort of came to a head. But at the same time, you know, as much as that hurts, I wish Trevor Story the best of luck in Boston. You know, Red Sox fans are getting something really special. I'd rather have him go to, say, the Red Sox, much as I don't like them, than, say, the Giants or the Dodgers. And, you know, if he does if he does amazing, then great. And if he doesn't, then, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really affect the Rockies anymore other than he was, he was amazing and, and a superstar for us over his six seasons here in Colorado. And the fans loved him, and I, you know, I loved him. We all loved him here. So that's really the best any of us can do is, you know, wish him luck as as he moves on, but recognize that there really wasn't a lot of a chance for him to be coming back. Like, I and and it's, like I said, it's been made very, very clear about that over the last week or so that there was no way he was coming back. Yeah, it's not great. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where when you're told, yeah, we're going to pay you more money and we're going to put you at your preferred position, you're like, no, nah, I'm good. What else can you do? But you know what? Frankly, um, here's a hot take. I'm, I've made peace with it. Like, he obviously didn't want to be here, and that's okay. You know, and that's just what it is. Uh, Jose Iglesias is going to have to be the replacement this season. Um, sorry, I got the hiccups for some reason. I'm just getting choked up. Um, you know, it is what it is. Obviously, we are probably unlikely to get the same sort of offensive production um, and potentially defensive production out of Jose Iglesias 
as we've had at a Trevor Story the last few seasons. Um, no hate to Jose, obviously, doing his thing out there, but it's just one of those things. It's baseball's a business, and Trevor Story didn't like where he worked, and so he went to go work somewhere somewhere else, and that's okay. I think it is tough for sure, but like just Evan Evan nailed it. Like the writing, I think, was on the wall. I don't think any of us expected him to come back. I think we all sort of held out hope, right? But I think we all kind of knew that this was the likeliest scenario. Maybe not necessarily Boston. I kind of personally saw him maybe going to a team like the Cubs or the Yankees. But Boston, you know, is a team that is likely to compete in the playoffs this season. And that's what he wanted to do. And so he'll do whatever it takes, which includes a pay cut and a position change to to land with that team. So such is life. You know, I don't have a lot else to add. I think Evan pretty much nailed it. And I think the biggest, the most frustrating thing in all of this was that Trevor Story should have been traded at the deadline but like we mentioned yes Yes. decision making not having a permanent gm just kind of a committee uh, that was reluctant to trade away their second star player after losing arenado prior to the season is just a recipe for disaster and good on trevor he wants to go win i don't fault him for that you know feels he has better chances somewhere else we'll take chris bryant we'll take randall gritchick we'll move on and keep going definitely uh but I, I think the, at least this relationship doesn't feel as sour as some of the other stuff. Is that he left under his own will? We tried. He made his decision. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think anybody's going to fault Trevor Story for that. Uh, real quick here before we ask some of your quick favorite memories, uh, I just wanted to give a rundown of his time here in Colorado. Uh, he played in 745 games, had a career slash line of 272, 340, 523. In Colorado, with a 112 OPS plus, he had a 26.7 R WAR in Colorado. Had over 760 hits, scored over 460 runs, 180 stolen or doubles, 27 uh, triples, 158 home runs, 450 RBIs, 100 stolen bases, even which that one was pretty cool. He was a two-time All Star, two-time Silver Slugger. He's the fastest shortstop in Major League history to hit career 100 home runs. Did in 448 games. That's quicker than Alex Rodriguez, uh, also steroid-free. He holds the record for most home runs in the team's first six games. He had seven in 2016 in his explosive debut. Uh, Also a lot of other accolades. I think there was a record for home runs as a rookie in a month that season as well in his rookie year. Uh, Just overall fantastic metrics. Uh, I didn't get his defense stuff here. Plenty of DRS, plenty of awesome plays. Uh, He was a star here in Colorado in his short time here. Uh, But what are your guys' favorite story memories, Uh, Trevor's story memories? We also have an article here on Purple Row where our whole staff goes over some memories. Uh, but what are your guys' memories, whether that's – are you in that article or something else? Start with Mac. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of them are going to have to kind of be synonymous with his bat. You mentioned all the great accolades when it comes to hitting home runs, and obviously there are some to come into mind. But for me, actually, it's the defense. I really love the way that he plays shortstop. Trevor Story has a plus arm. He's As you mentioned, he's very fast. Uh, he's got a really good mind for the game on the defensive end. So I just really like the way he played defense. You know, the Rockies um, have had uh, sort of a, ro- a rotating door of shortstops since Troy Tulowitzki departed to uh, Blue Jays. And Trevor Story was the first one to kind of come in and really lock it down and really understand how shortstops should be played. Um, so I don't really have like a, a for sure like favorite necessarily play from him. But for me, it was just I really loved the way he played shortstop, especially back when we had the... Uh, core shield right the arenado story lemayhu and then uh morneau slash mark reynolds first base situation that defensive quartet was untouchable and he was obviously a key part of that so i think that for me is just the thing i look back on the most is just the, the really solid defensive plays he made consistently at the shortstop position how about you evan I, I definitely agree. The Rockies have been Rockies fans have been really spoiled in terms of excellent infield defense. Boy, and that's and true. Now that we're getting to the years where that's 
you know, not as much of a thing with, with, you know, Arenado gone, LeMahieu gone, and now Story gone. Um, it's going to be really weird. But we got really lucky in that, you know, uh, less than a year after Troy Tulowitzki left, Story broke out onto the scene and ended up just really becoming something special. And I admit, um, I was not an immediate believer in Trevor Story. I thought uh, his rookie season was going to be a flash in the pan. Then in 2017, when he had his, his sort of sophomore slump, I was the exact kind of idiot who was saying, oh, you know, this, is, this isn't this is going to work out. We should be seeing what else we've got. We should let Pat Vileka get starts in at short. And I am, as I said in, in the article in Purple Row, I am incredibly happy to have been very, very dumb and very, very wrong. <laughs> because, you know, Trevor, Trevor blossomed. He became a superstar on a Rockies team that already had a couple superstars and became... I, in my opinion, one of the best shortstops in the league. And that really great combination of, of flashy defense and flashy hitting. And I still, like, my my favorite's always going to be that 505-foot home run. I don't care mm-hmm. what the official metrics said. It was 505 feet. It was amazing. <laughs> How about you, Skyler? No, it's all kind of that thing. Um, I was serving a, a a church mission in 2016, so I really didn't, know anything about Trevor's story because I wasn't watching baseball. I was walking around the streets of Oregon doing <laughs> stuff. Uh, so it wasn't until 2017 that I saw, like, oh, who's this shortstop the Rockies have now? Because you know, I, I knew they traded away Tulowitzki. I knew they had Jose Reyes for a little bit. And then when I got home uh, in, at the end of 2016, uh, right before the season started in 2017, no, it was just fun kind of seeing, like, oh, I hear this guy's good. I heard about his fun rookie season, and then he got injured, which was unfortunate. But I, I think right along those same things, I think it was just the premier you know, slugging and defensive things that really put everything together for him. Uh, I think one of my favorite plays that I see, I think it just happened last season too, where they're in the shift, he dives, knocks the ball down, and he's front on on his stomach with the glove in his hand, just flips it over to Brendan Rogers, who then throws it to yep. first to get the out. You know, that's just who makes that kind of play? Who has the wherewithal mm-hmm. to think, I've knocked down this ball, I can't pop up and throw it. I'm just gonna flip it to the guy right next to me to throw it to first. You know, it, it's plays like those that were really spoiling her his jump catch to save Herman Marquez's uh, no hitter at the time at Coors Field last season against the Pirates. Probably one of the best plays he's ever made, where he Absolutely. basically unlocked Super Mario double jump to <laughs> grab that ball out of the air. Uh, but I'm also right there with Evan. That three homer game against the Giants, one of the best hitting displays at Coors Field that's you know happened in a long time. And I don't know why Statcast or whatever went back and said, oh, no, it was just 480 feet. No, that thing was a bomb, and I don't know how they could pull it back <laughs> 30 feet from where it landed. Uh, but overall, I think you know, I think that's what I'm, we're going to miss most is just those giant home runs with a bat flip oh, and those incredibly athletic plays up the middle to steal a hit, spin, throw to first to get the out. Ha, memories. <laughs> memories. Um, <laughs> Leave the memories alone. <laughs> we'll start singing a cappella of memory songs. But they have to be off so we don't get hit with copyright. Uh, but, Definitely. Only about five seconds. But I think overall, like you guys are talking about, I think we've all accepted he was never going to come back. It doesn't hurt any less to see him move on to a different team, especially the Red Sox of all people. Uh, but at least he has a chance to win now. And as Rockies fans, I think that's something we can sympathize with for some of our big players is whatever problems the franchise has, a lot of the times it results in them not getting to the playoffs, getting to the postseason. And, no, those guys want those experiences. So I'm never going to fault them for moving on to a team that's going to give them that opportunity unless they go to the Dodgers, which a lot of former Rockies are doing right now. But... Yeah, that's for another episode. 
Yeah. But any final words here about Trevor's story from you guys? No, just appreciate his time here, you know? I think uh, they'll always have some of, the, some of the more iconic moments in recent Rockies history. Appreciate him for the time he was here. Wish him the best of luck in Boston. Now let's get into the future of Colorado baseball. Exactly. Story time may be drawing to a close here in Denver, but that doesn't mean you can't appreciate the book after you finish reading it. Oh, nice quote. How long until put that on? A how long until they hand out number twenty-seven again? Ooh, it's tough. At least three years, right? They At gave least three um, they gave DJ's number the very next season, and never really took that out of rotation. And, but uh, Tulawitzki's took like two years to come back, and the first guy to have it was Alexi Amarista. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really tricky because the Rockies don't really take numbers out of rotation or, or anything like that that often. Like, uh, they still haven't reissued number five uh, since Cargo left. But mm-hmm. you got to ask if slash when they'll reissue those numbers. Probably not this year. Yeah. That's a really... I didn't realize 9 came the year after DJ left. That's crazy. Yeah, Daniel Murphy had it. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, okay. Let's finish the show before we get on So that. who's... But now it's Connor <laughs> Joe, and Connor Joe is great, so... We do love Connor Joe here. Whose number gets reissued first, 28 or 27? Oh, 27. Yeah, I'd say 27 as For well. For sure. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, yeah, totally. They should retire number 5 already, though. That is also true. Anyways. They need to they need to do a dual retirement like the Broncos did with uh, eighteen, where it was Frank Trippica and then uh, it's also Peyton Manning. Yes, and just you know when they put it up, just have it split with like have one half be purple and have one half be white pinstripes, and then uh, it can be both, you know, cargo and holiday. Yes, that'd be pretty especially cool. since they were traded for each other, so it just works out. It'll be nice perfect. The synergy is there. And Cargo still very much, you know, likes to do stuff with the team. He's been at uh, spring training this year. He yeah. has. So, oh, that's so fun awesome. things to think about. But that's going to do it here for this edition of Affected by Altitude. Thank you so much for joining us. Evan, where can the folks find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang27. You can also hit us up on the official Affected by Altitude Twitter, which is at Altitude Effect. Uh, I'll always be writing for you at Purple Row. Check out my Thursday rock piles every week. And then starting when the season starts, I'll be doing your Sunday game coverage. Here you go. How about you, Mac? Yeah, man. Hit me up at Twitter, at Cormac Battle Pro, which is at C-O-R-M-A-C Battle Pro. I should probably change that at some point since I'm not really wrestling much anymore. But yeah, hit me up uh, for talking Rockies or talking Nuggets or talking about Triple H's retirement. Whatever y'all want, man. I'm always available for Chatsky. You know, and you can find me at at sideline underscore crowd. Uh, you've also got my Sunday rock piles every week. Uh, also on Purple Row, a couple of quick things. Uh, the opening day breakfast is April 8th, so Rockies opening day at Coors Field. They'll have a nice Rockies panel and everything that's coming up. Come hang. Uh, we've got that. And we have also have our State of the Position article series that's coming up. On, that's been coming out on Purple Row, so be sure to check those out. And also our uh, the purple pros- the pebble report, whatever it is that we rank our prospects with, uh, <laughs> they call them perps, uh, but that just sounds kind of creepy sometimes. Anyways, <laughs> but be sure to check out purplerow.com for all of our you know, awesome articles from our great staff. Uh, always a lot of great insights, rock piles, everything in between. Uh, lots of stuff, lots of content coming yes, out, not just rock piles. So. Be sure to stay tuned. And let me let me just say one more thing about the opening day breakfast. Um, that is at eight o'clock a.m. at the Wincoop Brewing Company. You can find more information at Purple Row. The page is currently sticky to our front page. Our managing editor Sam Bradfield is going to be hosting a media panel with members of the Rockies media, including KOA's Jack Corrigan, uh, Danielle Allen Tuck of the Denver Gazette, Denver Post Patrick Saunders, and MLB.com's Manny Rondhawa. Uh, there's also going to be giveaways, hearty meal, definitely worth checking out. A bunch of us from the site are going to be here. I'm I'm going to be there. Mac, I believe you're going to be there. Yes, sir. I live too far away. Uh, come join us. Come hang out, and we'll kick opening day off in style. Yeah. So 
Again, thank you so much. Lots of exciting stuff. Rocky season's right around the corner. And we'll be here every week here with Affected by Altitude. And we'll see you next time. Evan, hit him with it. I've been practicing for this. Farewell. Beautiful.